everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball podcast. I am one of your regular co-hosts, Jeff, and I'm, I've got a live camera set up to our Seattle studio and the lights are out. There's nobody there, but I am looking at our Wisconsin remote studio and the lights are on and we've got a guest host today, our first two-time guest. It is Chris from the Turn Up Hair Baseball Podcast. Chris, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll tell you what, your crew that you flew out here on that private jet is has done a fantastic job. The building that they erected in less than 24 hours is majestic. And the studio is fantastic. The only problem is there's no heat in here. So it's getting a little bit cold. Okay. Well, now I'm a little worried because we don't have a crew. So whoever you've let in to build this and have trusted... I, I'm not sure who it is, but you might want to just keep an eye on them. Keep an eye I on will. the valuables. I will, yeah. <laughs> Mark Mark took the whole crew with him on vacation. I don't know why. Well, I'll find did. out who these guys are, but they did a fantastic job. They must just be like, you know, two-strike noise marks. I don't know. <laughs> We've got them all over the country. They're like the Amish. They just build studios wherever yeah. they're needed. It's, it's yeah. very... Well, thank you. You are our first returning guest and our, and our first guest host. So this is... A, a big a big thing here and we certainly appreciate you uh you joining us um have you i i know you have i know the answer to this but i'm still going to form it in the phrase of a question let's first of all let's tell everybody we're going to start our bp segment here where we kind of uh, stretch out so we don't pull anything i've got to assume you've been watching some of these spring training games where all the players are mic'd up oh yeah it's i think like the coolest thing i've seen in baseball and i can't even tell you how long i love it I absolutely love it. And, you know, for a sport that's struggling to try to figure out how to market their players and their personalities, I don't think you could come up with a better way to do it than this. And I'm just I'm really hoping that they find a way to do this during the regular season somehow. Well, I read that Pete Alonzo, they're going to put a a microphone in or around first base. (laughs) And so they'll be able to record the conversations that Pete Alonzo has. Apparently, he's like. The new Sean Casey where he has conversations. Yeah, he has conversations <laughs> with everybody. But I think that would be great. I think, you know, I think the first game they did this year where everyone was mic'd up was the Rizzo-Chris Bryant game. And hearing Anthony Rizzo talk to Chris Bryant as the pitcher's in his windup and pitching and saying, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then Bryant lacing a shot down the line was like, these guys have so much fun. And it's it's cool for us, the fans. I most recently watched the game with Freddie Freeman where he was mic'd up and it was just, it was great. I, yeah, they've, they've got to figure out a way to do that. Maybe they don't play the mic real time during the game because a real game is going to be a little bit more intense, but just to hear what's going on on the field and then replay it throughout the course of the game, I think would be great, especially like you said, to help build the quote unquote characters of the game and make it, you know, a little bit more, you could chop it up into 30 second segments, put it out on social media and the casual sports fan would see that and maybe even tune in the next couple, you know, the next game or so. Yeah, it was great. I, I found a couple of couple of instances. I, I think it was the Red Sox game and I forget who they were playing, but they mic'd up the catcher during a half inning. And it was crazy because, you know, they're talking back and forth, which is probably wouldn't happen in the regular season. I'm guessing they might mic people up, but you're not going to have the announcers be able to talk to them during a regular season game. But they were asking the catcher who's sitting there right behind the the batter, what are you calling for here? (laughs) (laughs) I I am so upset. I missed that part. So fill me in. So was he giving them information? 
He's like, well, I, he started to mumble. He's like, I can't really tell you right now. <laughs> which, is, which is, I'm like, what are these? And it was Carl Ravitch was asking him to. I'm like, are you really this dense that you can't figure out? You can't say, well, I'm calling for a slider away as he's crouched literally a foot away from the batter. But what, oh, man. The, the best part of it was when he was still mic'd up, there was a pitching change and they didn't go to commercial. So you got the infield there, you got the pitching coach there, and the new pitcher comes in. He comes in, and the catcher and the pitching coach and the pitcher, they decide what the first pitch is going to be, even before he throws a warm-up pitch. So they're like, okay, we're going to go slider away. Interesting. As, as soon as he hands them the ball. And then they go over their signs, because there's a runner on base, and they agreed, you know, okay, we're going to go with the second sign but they say shake it shake it off though no matter what you know cuz they already know what they're going to throw for this first pitch i thought it was so interesting you wow, know they, that they is call cool. the pitch and they're like okay make sure you shake it off so that he sees you know we're going to throw a slider he goes through and says he shook, shook off a slider he doesn't know what we're throwing i thought that was the most interesting part i love that inner working beyond getting a live chicken and candlesticks make a nice wedding gift the actual like real talk of guys out there on the mound is awesome you know, I know they've done this in the past for spring training games. I didn't I don't remember last year having it basically the entire week a new game every day where they did that. I don't remember it being like that quite like that last year. I remember maybe like one game where they had the guys mic'd up. And I almost wonder if you know, like the XFL, I don't know if you've watched any of the XFL. I tuned in just to see what would happen. But one of the things that I think is that was really cool about what they're doing is there are microphones everywhere. And when players run off the field, they shove a microphone in their face. <laughs> like, right the second, they, you know, come off the field, I made a mistake, microphone in your face, what happened? And naturally, you get guys who drop F-bombs on TV. But it's such incredible insight. And then to hear they actually have the plays as they're being called from the offensive coordinator into the quarterback, you can listen in and hear it. And through the course of the season, if you're watching, regularly watching it, you can start to learn a little bit of the, the lingo of the offense and the play calling. And I think baseball could probably afford to do that as well. And it would be really cool. Yeah, I, I am 100% on board with this. I watched a Mariners, it was the Mariners A's game a week ago, and they had Malik Smith in center field mic'd up and Ken Griffey Jr. was in the booth and they were just, they were chirping at each other. It was great. You know, wow. to, you know, center fielder to center fielder. It was it was good. I, I I am on board. And, you know, I know Rob Manfred is a passionate listener of ours. Let's make this happen. Do something yeah, right. Come on, Rob. <laughs> Do it for the kids. Uh, so I wanted to wanted to bring up another thing. Last week, while Mark was here, I talked about innovations or ideas that had originated in the Negro Leagues. And I had mentioned that beer being served in paper cups was an idea that originated in the Negro Leagues. And we were we were questioning what in the world did they serve beer in before paper cups at a baseball game? And it just so happened that I stumbled across an article uh, about an umpire. His name was Tim Hurst. This is from the late 1890s. And this guy is a story unto himself. And, and maybe I'll, I'll get to that in another another episode. But apparently during a game or well, after a game in particular, he was arrested 
and he was arrested because during the game, some fans threw their glass beer mugs at him after a bad call. <laughs> oh, my God. So apparently we've answered the question of what they used to drink beer out of before paper cups. And it is glass mugs, which seems like a brilliant idea <laughs> at a sporting event. <laughs> but Hearst had these thrown at him and one actually hit him in the foot. So oh, he man. picked it up, and according to his police statement, he returned it underhand to whence it came, but it hit the spectator, and he was arrested after the game. So now we know that they used to actually just, hey, here's a here's a glass mug. Please return it. <laughs> now, now you go to a game, and if you get a bottle, like a plastic bottle, they take the cap off, yep. and, and you can't keep it. So it's like, you know, there's all this peanut shells and all this stuff flying around at a ballpark. I feel like I, I just have my hand. I hold it over the bottle so it, nothing, no peanut shells pop into there. Yeah, even when you buy it, at least here in Oakland, when you buy a can, they open it for you. You can't oh, yeah. walk away with it without being open. So. Yeah. Uh, last thing I wanted to get to before we get to our minor league team. So there have been eight times in major league history where a player has had 10 plate appearances in a game and has not drawn a walk nor recorded a base hit. Three of those eight happened in the same game. Wow. So I take you back to May 1st, 1920. Maybe you remember this game. I think you're a little bit younger than than, than Mark and I. But. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Not, it, not much, though, but... It was the Brooklyn Robins at the Boston Braves in front of 4,500 people. The game only took three hours and 50 minutes. And I say only because it was called after the 26th inning. A 1-1 tie. That's like a standard Yankees-Red Sox time for a (laughs) nine-inning game. It it is, but get this. You know how many pitching changes there were during this 26-inning duel? Back in the 1920s, um, I'm going to guess each team had maybe one pitching change. You would be one over. Oh, my goodness. Both starters went the distance. (laughs) Oh, wow. Leon Cadre and Joe Oshreger. Yeah, this game went 26 innings. I'm scanning the box score here. Chuck Ward, shortstop for the Robins, went 0 for 10. Leon Cadre, the starter for the Robins, also went 0 for 10. But I think you can forgive him. And then uh, Charlie Pick, second baseman for the Braves, 0 for 11. 26 innings in under four hours. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that. well, you know, there were there were no commercials. That, no. that drag the game out. Well, no, no three inning, uh, three batter minimum. Well, maybe they did. We just don't know because the pitcher never got taken out. So yeah. it was a twenty six <laughs> inning minimum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So this is the part of our show where during the regular season we're getting very close to where we'll we'll get back to major league debuts. Uh, right now we are going through some of the minor league teams that Major League Baseball is threatening to disassociate after this upcoming season. And actually, before we get into this, I did want to I did want to mention something that Chris, you brought to my attention uh, recently on Twitter. And I know both you and myself are taking part of and it is the adopt a minor league baseball player. And this is uh, if you want to follow this Twitter account, it is at adopt M.I.L.B. player. And there are plenty of minor league players. It looks like there's new ones every day that you can actually adopt and help them out with sending them some, you know, gift cards for food or if they need pillowcases, sheets, just standard living things. We, we've talked about many times uh, in this segment 
you know, the kind of the paid disparity between major leaguers and, and these guys in the minors that are just trying to get to the big leagues and how little they get paid. This is a great opportunity to help out. And you never know, you could be, you know, essentially adopting the next Mike Trout. Yeah, it's it's cool. Actually, last night, um, my family, we adopted a player. Um, I haven't gotten permission to, to, to say that player's name, so I, I won't say it. But we adopted a player, and it, it's pretty cool. We, we've sent him some gift cards. And, you know, if you get a chance, if, if, you're, if you love baseball and you've got a few extra bucks, these guys, you know, they make anywhere from nine dollars to $12,000 a year. Many of these guys got signing bonuses, you know, $10,000, $20,000 that's supposed to last them if they make it on a normal trajectory four or five years before they get that big league contract. So they're not being paid during spring training. In some cases, housing is provided by the organization, but you know they get fed at the clubhouse, but they're responsible for lunch and dinner, and they don't get paid. Uh, they've got to train like world-class athletes on what, uh, for many people, is, is a quarter or less of the year's pay. So um, any little bit that, that people can do is, is great. It's a really cool thing. I'm glad that the, the folks that started this did, and and can can connect people with uh, with players. Pretty cool deal. If you've got a favorite team, this this account will will tweet out, "Hey, we've got a player in the you know Cubs organization or the Braves organization that needs to have some help." And you can DM them, get a hold of them, and you could uh, you know be matched up with somebody from your favorite team. So very cool opportunity. Our minor league team of the week this week is going to be the Clinton Lumber Kings from Clinton, Iowa. They are the class single A Miami Marlins Farm Club. This team has been around off and on in Clinton, not the the Lumber Kings themselves. That's kind of a newer nickname, but since 1895. So well over a century, this team, uh, Clinton has fielded a team. They've been known by a lot of different names over the years. Some of the better ones, I thought were the Clinton Infants, the Clinton Teddies, and the Clinton Miners. So some they, they didn't used to really go for the intimidating names. They kind of <laughs> just, I, I guess they were probably young teams at that point. 1956, they joined the Midwest League where they still reside, and they are the oldest team in the Midwest League. They've won five division titles and two league titles. This this is one of those teams where they've been literally affiliated with everybody. So I thought it might be easier just to mention some of the teams they've been affiliated with that no longer exist, like the New York Giants, the San Francisco Giants. Now the Brooklyn Dodgers, obviously in L.A., but the Seattle Pilots, who I guess are in it's Minnesota, right? Seattle went to they're the twins now, if I'm not mistaken. No, the Pilots are here in Milwaukee. Oh, look at that. Well, you just saved me from a kangaroo court, so I appreciate it. That's that. what I'm here for. <laughs> and the Montreal Expos. I know where they are now. They're in Washington. They play at Nelson Core Field. It was originally built in 1937, but it's been renovated many times over the years and now seats 4,000 people. Throughout their history, Clinton has tossed, this is impressive, 25 no-hitters wow. by Clinton pitchers. I had not heard it a single one of these guys that had been involved with any of these no-hitters, though, which was odd. They just named a new manager for 2020, Tom Lawless. Do you remember Tom Lawless? The name rings a bell, but I have no memory of Tom Lawless. So I remember Tom Lawless from a baseball card when he was on the Montreal Expos. 
So I went and looked at his stats. He was on the Expos one year in 1984. But uh, he's mainly played for St. Louis. He played eight years in the big leagues, but he's managed uh, elsewhere. But he's the new manager this year. Last year, it was former American League Rookie of the Year, Denny Hawking, who I remember when he came through Salt Lake for the Bees at that point. And also Jim Leland managed there for two years. Um, A couple of famous alumni. Actually, there's a lot of famous alumni you can imagine from this team being around. For a while, we're going to play a quick nickname game here with some of these, some of this alumni. See how many of these you can you can name. <laughs> All right, relief pitcher. His nickname was Shooter. Played on the Cubs. Oh, Rod Beck. There you go. Uh, Rob Deer, who I don't believe had a nickname that I was aware of. Uh, starting pitcher for the Dodgers, the Bulldog. Oral Hershiser. There you go. Former A's third base coach. Now managing in Korea, the Big Marine. I feel like when you say the name, I'm going to be disappointed in myself. Giants third baseman. How about that? Matt Williams? There you go. Former Marine. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was sad to see him leave, but glad he got a chance to manage. Yeah. Good Uh, for him. Now, normally I would just, I would say to Mark, my all-time favorite pitcher, I might need to give, might need to give you a little bit more help. Smoke? Now, I know Mark's all-time favorite pitcher. Yep. I don't. Express. Yeah, yeah. I so okay, what was the nickname again? Smoke. Is that Dave Stewart? That is very nice. Yeah. And then I don't know if Mike Sosha has a nickname. I had a nickname for him, but I'm not gonna repeat it here. I'm Wasn't his nickname Pudge? I, I feel like every catcher's nickname is Pudge. <laughs> yeah, maybe that I'm just cheating, but <laughs> it was funny because it was. I recently heard an interview with Carlton Fisk and oh his was put no his was pudge yeah his was as was yvonne rodriguez yeah and so it's kind of like a a catcher nickname so that's just a list of some of these they've had a lot of guys go through there and again a team that's been there for over 100 years and mlb is threatening to just cut them off next year so again rob manfred i've got i've got a clinton lumber king story okay well first a, a commentary on on minor league baseball in ohio i believe all of the Iowa minor league baseball teams are on Rob Manfred's list. And the interesting thing is they want to get rid of minor league baseball, but they're dead set on getting baseball in Iowa because of the field of dreams game. They're going to play there this year at, at the site, the, the, the movie site. So that's sort of interesting. My Clinton lumber King story is in January of 2003. I took my first job out of college which was to go work for the Carolina Mudcats. I worked in their sales organization. Now, I went to school for broadcast journalism and never worked a day in broadcast journalism my whole life, but I wanted to be a baseball announcer, a play-by-play guy. I applied to be the play-by-play guy for the Clinton Lumber Kings. Well, I don't know what they were then, but anyway, the Clinton minor league baseball team. And they called me a week after I moved from Bloomington, Indiana to well, Raleigh, North Carolina, to go work for the Mudcats. And I told them, no. Oh. I don't want to change my life. I love my life now with my wife and my kids. But, yeah, I could have been a part of the Clinton minor league baseball history as the, I, the They might have guy. been the Lumber Kings at that point. Because I remember when I was in college, and I, I graduated a little bit before you did, I remember the Lumber Kings because I remember their logo used to be like a, a guy with a two by four that had a nail on the end of it. So they've been the Lumber Kings for quite a while. I could have gone from the Crosscutters to the Lumber Kings. 
<laughs> you've got a you've got a, a lumber theme. All right, so I've got a trivia question for you, and and we're recording this before the, our last episode is is out, so this isn't really fair for you. But I'm going to ask you I'm going to ask you our trivia question from last week, and that was who holds the all time record for the best career ERA? Now, when I asked this question last week, I did give a did give a clue that this pitcher is in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Anybody stand out for you? And it's it's not Nolan Ryan. I can just I can hear Mark already chiming in, but it is it is definitely not Nolan Ryan. I you know um, I'm gonna go with Sandy Koufax. It's a good guess. Couldn't tell you exactly what his year is. Off the top. I have no clue. Yeah, that is just a guess. There is no thought that went into that other than I'm going to go with Sandy Koufax. So Sandy Koufax. Well, let's see if I can spell his name correctly here in the, in the Google machine. Uh, Sandy Koufax's career ERA is 2.76. Now, the all time leader is almost one point lower than that. Come on. The all-time career best ERA mark is 1.82. That had to have been like more than 50 years ago. Yes, quite a bit. It was from 1904 through 1917, and it was... uh, Mordecai Three Finger Brown. It was not Mordecai, who was actually mentioned twice last week. But no, it was Ed Walsh of the Chicago White Sox. Ed Walsh pitched for 14 years, finished with a record of 195 and 126. In 1908, he went 40 and and 15 with 66 (laughs) games and 49, uh, I'm sorry, 42 complete games. Wow. He had 11 11 shutouts and six saves. That's uh, that's good value for whatever they were paying him that year. Uh, Yeah. Actually, I can tell you, he uh, he was paid $7,000 that year. Wow, I had him on my fantasy team that year. We did really well. I yeah, I traded him away, <laughs> and I was still kicking myself for it. So I got a new question, new trivia question for you here. I was uh, I think about stolen bases quite a bit, as most people know. So my question was, which Hall of Famer has the worst career stolen base percentage? Now I did put a little cap on this. I said there has to be at least a minimum of twenty attempts. But that's our question for next week. Which which Hall of Famer has the worst career stolen base percentage? Mm. All right, so we're going to have the grounds crew wrap it up. They're just finishing up uh, chalking the Lions. The uh, batting cage is put away in straightaway center field where it will remain during the game, as I just saw a picture of Forbes Field. Beyond, straightaway center. Like inside no, in the play. F- yep, in, in play. play. Wow. Those balls, you couldn't. Those ballparks were just shoehorned in places. So interesting note on Forbes Field, and you, excuse me, you may know this. They kept part of the outfield wall when they tore it down, and it's right on Pitt's campus. Really? Yeah. I hope huh. I didn't just make that up. Well, <laughs> it, it, you said it on the internet. It's a fact now. All right, so we've got a little bit different show here with a guest. Uh, we are going to do uh, a quiz show, but it's a, it's a little bit different quiz show. We've got themes. And uh, Chris, you're going to go first. You want to you tell our audience what your theme is? Yeah, so here's the deal. I'm often interested, and I go down these rabbit holes, of usually you know really good players that were drafted by a team 
but never actually appeared in a game with that organization. They were traded or something happened where they ended up playing for another organization before they made their debut. And so I've got five players. I'll give you a hint. Four of those players are in the Hall of Fame, and one is currently playing today. But that's that's basically the gist of what I've got here. Great players that were drafted by a team that never actually appeared in a game. Now, here's the other thing. This doesn't this isn't guys got drafted and then they decided to go back to college or go to college. And then three years later, they got drafted again. This is they got drafted. They signed with that team and then they went on their way and got traded, year, you know, years later before they got to the major leagues before they got to the major okay. leagues. Yeah. All right, so you're gonna you're gonna give me some clues here, and I will I will guess. We'll go through all five of them, and then we'll go back and and we'll give everybody the answer. All right, so here we go. First guy was on on June fifth, nineteen eighty nine. He was drafted by the Cincinnati Reds in the eleventh round, of course, of the eighty nine amateur draft. He signed four days later on June 9th. on November seventeenth, nineteen ninety two. He was drafted again, but this time in the expansion draft by the Florida Marlins. He was the eighth pick in the expansion draft by the Florida Marlins in 1992. It's not Charlie Huff. It's not. Because Charlie <laughs> Huff was drafted that maybe a year or two prior. before the 89 draft. <laughs> do, do, I get, do I get a position or, or anything? I mean, yeah, I can give you a position if you'd like. He was a pitcher. For the Marlins. The Marlins are definitely a big black hole, in t- unless it was uh, Charlie Huff or who was – David Need was the was the Rockies expansion first pick. Give you another hint. He was a Hall of Famer. Hall of is Fame. a Hall of Famer. And he is not re- – he is not known – for being a Florida Marlin. <laughs> like Mike Piazza that was on the Marlins for like 15 games. Yes. Huh. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, well, we're not giving the answer yet. So I'm going to, I'm going to just, I can give you another clue if you'd like. Oh, I'm all for clues. He also played again, not the team he was known for. He played for the Milwaukee Brewers. So he's a hall of famer. Okay. If I get if I tell you the team he was known for, it'll be a layup. Maybe before you give the answer, we'll do that. Because okay. I I need I when I go bowling, I need those bumpers down the alleys. <laughs> that's that's what I need. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Next one. Next one. June fifth, nineteen eighty nine. Same draft. He was drafted a few rounds before by the Boston Red Sox in the fourth round. They took the Boston Red Sox took this player. Um, he signed the day after the previous player on June 10th, 1989 on August 30th, 1990, he was traded by the Boston Red Sox to the Houston Astros for Larry Anderson. He debuted with the Astros in 1991. Okay. I, I am locked in my answer here. As soon as you said, Larry Anderson. Yep. Oh, I guess I can give you my answer. You can give me your answer. Yes. My answer is Mr. Jeff Bagwell. Do I tell you if you're right or wrong? No, or no, we can, no? We okay. Can, yeah, we want the listeners to be able to guess as well, but I am I am pretty confident in that answer. All right. This player was drafted on June 3rd, 1985 by the Detroit Tigers in the 22nd round. He signed on September 22nd, 1985 
must have been a little bit of negotiation that went on there. <laughs> or he could have been one of those draft and follows, as they say. On August 12th, 1987, the Tigers traded him to the Atlanta Braves for Doyle Alexander. Doyle Alexander. There's a name I haven't heard for a while. Yeah, and this player debuted in 1988. Okay, now you said he was drafted by the Tigers? Drafted by the Tigers. All right. I have I have locked in my answer here. Okay. I am going with uh, the uh, – he's a, a color commentator now on the, the Major League Baseball Network and seems to somehow hate the game that he's calling. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to say Mr. John Smoltz. All right. The answer is Ryan Dempster. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Now, I did. All right. So I, I said that they they signed with the team that drafted them. This one, he didn't actually sign, but he didn't go play high school or college ball after this. All right. So this guy was drafted June 4th, 1970. By the Washington Senators in the 21st round of the 1970 amateur draft, but he did not sign. He also did not re-enter the draft. Instead, on September 9th, 1971, he signed with the Chicago Cubs as an amateur free agent. He debuted in 1976. Now, I want to say, I want to say I've got an answer. I want to say it's my favorite cub of all time ryan sandberg but i don't know if that's too early for him or not well sandberg was drafted by the phillies and he actually did play i want to say in like 12 games i think you're for right the phillies i think you're right because i just and it was cause, traded because somebody was tweeting about the ryan sandberg game which all Cub fans know about. And I, I remember looking up his page and I did see Philadelphia for a couple of games. Okay, so here's a Ryan. clue. Okay. Do you remember who was pitching against Ryan Sandberg for one of those late inning home runs? I literally just watched this video and I remember seeing who was pitching and going, there's a name I had thought of for a while, but and it's not Ken Forsh. Nope, it is not. <laughs> this is a Hall of Famer. Yes. And he played for the Cubs, but he also played for the Cardinals at one point. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. God, I don't was I don't know if Rick Sutcliffe ever Oh, this is a Hall of Famer though, right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about that one. Okay. We can come back to that one. I, I'm very solid on my on my my two picks, but the, these pitchers pitchers are, are, are like I said, kind of a dark spot for me. Yeah. All right. All right, now this is a current player. Okay. Was drafted on June 7th, 2007 by the Chicago Cubs in the first round. He was the 48th pick overall. Um, so, although I don't know, first round, are there enough compensatory picks to get to 48 in the first round? <laughs> there could be with free agency. I guess. Um, it says first round. It also says 48th pick, so we'll go with it. Um, baseball reference has not lied to me. Uh, maybe they do. I don't know. Um, he signed on June 24th, 2007. On July 8th, 2008, he was traded by the Cubs with Sean Gallagher, Matt Merton, and Eric Patterson to the Oakland Athletics for Chad Gowden and Rich Harden. 
He debuted with the A's in 2010. Got it. I am going to go ahead and say that that is Mr. Josh Donaldson. All right. And the only reason I know that is because he was on the A's, and I remember him coming over from the Cubs. I'm going to go with Josh Donaldson. I'm, I'm locking in my answer. Rich Harden would give the Cubs five and a third great innings. <laughs> he struck everybody out. He walked two guys every inning. And he could only give him five and, five and a third because he'd be at like 120 pitches by then. Yeah, but you know what? In today's game, that's a, you know, a $12 million a year guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've got, I've got a bonus one. All right. this, this one doesn't really follow the theme, but I just thought it was interesting. So this guy was drafted twice, one out of high school by his hometown team. He ended his career with that team. Eventually, though, so he was drafted by the the San Francisco Giants in the second round of the 1982 June draft, and then again was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the first round of the 1985 draft. He went to Junipero Serra High School in San Mateo, California. And this is not a Hall of Famer? Uh, Not a Hall of Famer. Do I have any other clues? Position... He went to college at Arizona State University. I'm going to say it's Barry Bonds then. <laughs> not a Hall of Famer in ASU. Uh, I yeah. was not aware that he was. I probably I mean, should have given you one more clue before I jumped to ASU. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. I mean, it makes sense that he's from California since Bobby Bonds, his father, played for the Giants. Um, but yeah. You know, interesting. So Junipero Sarah High School. In San Mateo. Um, are you familiar with that high school? Not the high school. I know where San Mateo is. Oh. But. So I believe that's also where Tom Brady went. One of the guests that I had on my show uh, last season, his name is Colin Thoreau. Colin was a catcher. Catcher at, for at, the A's. Uh, yes. One of the things that he said, funny guy, witty guy, um, he said one of his goals is to have the most home runs of in Major League Baseball of any player that ever went to his high school. I said, Good luck. yeah, I, I think he can do it. I don't see why he can't. He's got pop for sure. Uh, I don't know if he's got Barry Bonds pop. As an A's fan, I am all for it. I bet I you are. Love it. Love it. I bet you are. All right. So you have given me, you've given me six questions. I feel very confident in four of them. Uh, and one of them was even a, a pitcher question, but I, I I do not know number one or number four. I I do not know. Do you want the answers? Yep. Let's go. Let's go back and give the answers. Number one, drafted by the Reds, traded. I'm sorry, drafted by the Reds and then drafted in the expansion draft by the Marlins is none other than Trevor Hoffman. Oh boy. Yeah. 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 Obviously a Padre. Most people know him as a Padre. That, that's exactly where my mind was stuck, would be stuck with, with Trevor Hoffman. Yep. Uh, the second one, drafted by the Red Sox and traded to the Astros. You nailed it with Jeff Bagwell. Number three, um, drafted by the Tigers, traded to the Braves, John Smoltz. Number four, drafted by the Senators, traded, or I'm sorry, drafted by the Senators, signed by the Cubs, traded to the Cardinals, Bruce Suter. Suter. Ah. He gave up. I don't know if he gave up both of the home runs late to Sandberg or, or you know, the ninth. I think there was a ninth and the tenth home run. Yeah, there was the ninth inning to tie it. Yeah, and the next one in the extra innings won it. And I, 
I want to say they were both off Suter. Uh, I know at least one of them was. The next one drafted by the Cubs, traded to the A's. You nailed it with Josh Donaldson, and we sort of gave the answer away on the last one. It was Barry Bonds. Very good. I'm 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 happy with three out of five there. I will take that all day. Yeah, absolutely. those are good ones though. I like that was very good. All right. So now, if uh, if listeners are not as familiar with you, you are a big Cubs fan, which is why I was looking up Cubs stuff. So I've got some some Cubs trivia here for you to see how well you know your team. This first one, there are there are seven possible responses. So we're just gonna you you there's a total of seven points total here that you can you can gather from this question. So I'll the go Cub- base hit, hit by pitch, base oh I'm just I'm, <laughs> no. <laughs> sorry. No, this is Cubs specific. Oh, 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 okay. The Cubs have had seven rookies of the year. Name me those rookies. Chris Bryant. Um, Jerome Walton, Dwight Smith finished second that year. Yep, back two guys. Um, only five more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, well I mean, season... you've already gotten two points out of this, so yeah, yeah, yeah. See, let's see. Chris Bryant, Jerome Walton. Was Kerry Wood a rookie of the year? I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you oh. tell me. And let's then go. I with, will... Let's go with Kerry Wood. Okay. I yeah. Um, gosh. Um, I feel like I should go with with like Ernie Banks and and Billy Williams. Okay. I will. I will say that's good enough. Okay. Yeah. I. I don't. I. Yeah. Let's. Let's. Let's end it there. Okay. Put everyone out of their misery for. All right. So there's your answers for Cub rookies of the year. Next, there are three possible answers here. Three Cubs players have won Silver Slugger Awards as an outfielder. Can you name them? Three Cubs have won a Silver Slugger as an outfielder. One of them won six Silver Sluggers as an outfielder. Let's go Dawson, Sosa, and Billy Williams. I don't even know if they have the award when Billy played. All right. Very good guesses. All right. This one, <laughs> I like to give you multiple chances to get, uh, to get uh, points here. This one has four possible answers. The National League team from Chicago has had four official names. What are they? One is a layup. Um, the Cubs. There you go. Um, I could tell you the name of the park they played in. There's been a couple of names f- yep. for that. But, boy, I want to say there was like a white snow. White stockings would be probably the White Sox. But I feel like there was some something with a white in it. I don't know. I'm gonna, that's one I'm probably going to really feel silly for not knowing the answer to all and right. my cub fan friends that are going to listen to this are definitely going to make fun <laughs> of me for that all right so question number four who did the cubs trade to the phillies in 1982 in order to obtain ryan sandberg and larry boa it was either chico walker or manny trio <laughs> or maybe both manny trio I heard that name for a while, which tells you that that's not right because, damn, <laughs> I came up with this. <laughs> yeah, I, man, uh, let's see. Um, I want to say Chico Walker played for the Phillies. I want to say he was in that trade and somehow came back to the Cubs. I will tell you this. The, the answer to this had one of the best Jerry curls 
in, in baseball while he was active, and he's had a son that has since played in the major leagues. This is another one that I'm going to feel really, really bad for not getting the answer to. I don't to. know, because I don't know how long this guy played for the Cubs. I remember him I remember well, him as a White Sox. I wouldn't remember him. I wouldn't remember. In 1982, I was one. So I wouldn't remember him playing for the Cubs. But given the fact that Ryan Sandberg is my all-time favorite baseball player, the fact that I don't remember who he was traded for, um, I feel like I should start taking the Cubs memorabilia off the wall in the room that I'm in. Um, I don't know. We'll, and we'll, put myself we'll come, in like a 30-day penalty box We'll for come that. back to it because this guy might have only played for the Cubs for half a year. But Not I sure. still should know. I still should know. Well, you won't forget after this, I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here's my, here's my last one. This pitcher holds the Cubs record for most career home runs by a pitcher. The the, the pitcher, I'm only Fergie taking Jenkins. his... I'm 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 only taking his total while he was a Cub because he did pitch for other teams. Fergie Jenkins. So he hit a home run in his first major league at bat. I do know that. All right, so let's uh, let's go back here and we'll we'll go through these again. So first question was Rookie of the Year for the Chicago Cubs. You named Chris Bryant, Jerome Walton, Kerry Woods, and Billy Williams. All four of those are correct. Did I also throw an Ernie Banks in there? You did, but he, I, I, I have a feeling it probably wasn't around at that point, but he was not, never won the rookie of the year. Uh, the other answers were 1962 Ken Hubbs, National League rookie of the year that year, first rookie in baseball history to also win a gold glove. Wow. He was unfortunately and tragically, though, killed two years later at the age of 22 in a private plane he was piloting near Provo, Utah crashed in february so that seems like a mark story his stuff always seems to end in tragedy uh the others 2008 giovanni soto oh yeah i would have never I, I would have never known giovanni soto won the national league rookie of the year <laughs> yeah giovanni yeah i yeah he was great that season and then that was pretty much then he sort of it's like the league figured out his bat and, and that was it. He was still a pretty good defensive catcher. The, the other one that you did not name from 1993, Henry Rowan Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> when you said 1993, I'm like, I was, I was really tempted. I mean, really tempted to just ask you questions about movie, the movie Rookie of the Year. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. <laughs> All right. So you did get Chet four. Stedman. <laughs> the high stinking cheddar. All right, so there's four points right there. That's really good because technically they only had uh, six rookies of the year, so you only missed two of them. Henry Roan Gardner did not technically win the award. <laughs> All right, next question was three Cubs players won the Silver Slugger Award as an outfielder. Name them. You gave me Andre Dawson, Sammy Sosa, and Billy Williams. The answers are Andre Dawson in 1987, Sammy Sosa in 95, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, and 2002. The third member of that trio was Leon Bull Durham from oh, 1982. Man. Probably a little bit before your time, but well, Leon Bull Durham. Yeah, I think of Leon as a first baseman. Ah, I you know what I I kind of do too. I wasn't watching baseball in the early 80s. Yeah. And I just remember him through baseball cards, really. Yeah. So, but he did win it in 1982 as I'm going to assume probably a right fielder. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So you did get two out of three there. Very nice. Next question was the National League team from Chicago has had four official names. What are they? You gave me the Cubs, obviously. Very <laughs> nice. The White Stockings. I am going to take that answer. Because wow. that, that was from 1876 through 1889. They were the Chicago White Stockings. I see. I There you go. I did. See? You, whatever whatever you were talk, talking about taking down your cub stuff and going into to purgatory that redeems you right there their other nicknames from 1890 to 1897 were the chicago colts was there also that, a federals uh well they were the chicago whales in the federal whales league. oh yeah that's what it was yeah so the the colts there were managed by cap anson who we talked about on last week's show as being a player manager. Then from 1898 through 1902, they were called the Chicago Orphans. Oh, yeah. And they were called the Orphans because Cap Anson was let go. And without his leadership, they adopted the uh, um, the Orphans name, paying homage to they, they didn't have their, <laughs> their regular leader there. Which is oh, wow. So very nice. You got two out of four there. Next question is, uh, who did the Cubs trade to the Phillies in 1982 to obtain Ryan Sandberg and Larry Boa? I had the answer, but I cheated, and I'm very, very disappointed in myself for not knowing. <laughs> because what? this this was my dad's favorite Cubs really? player in the 70s. Well, so he was on the team for more than just a, just a hot minute. Yeah, he played for the Cubs from 77 through the trade. And that and would be... Big giant afro, Yvonne de Jesus. There you go. Now I don't remember the afro. I just remember, especially from a lot of baseball cards, he had Jerry curl. And yeah. Yvonne de Jesus Jr. has played in the big leagues uh, recently. hasn't been He hasn't been one of those uh, second generation superstars, but he has has played. All right, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to mark you down for that one. And then my final question was: This pitcher holds the Cubs record for most career home runs by a pitcher. Your answer was Fergie Jenkins. The answer is Carlos Zambrano. <sighs> it was between Fergie and Carlos, and I just saw something yesterday about Fer- it was Fergie Jenkins posted this that said I had a lot of home runs on my career. The first time I came up to the plate, I hit a home run. Yeah, I have absolutely. Carlos Sombrano, a framed picture of the Chicago Tribune with a ticket stub next to it. I was at a Carlo, the Carlos Sombrano no-hitter that he threw in Milwaukee against Houston. Wow. I was at the game. Nice. It was right in front of me, and I didn't say Carlos Sombrano. Shame on me. Oh, well, so Zambrano, I remember Zambrano and Mike Hampton. Those two guys were just, they were like regular power hitters when they came to the plate as pitchers. I interviewed DJ Snelton a couple weeks ago. DJ last year was out of major, out of affiliated ball and played for the Chicago Dogs. Dogs, yeah. Zambrano, Isn't Zambrano pitching for them? <laughs> yes, and he said that Zambrano was a great guy. And he, but he also said when Zambrano hit, it made a sound unlike anyone else. Wow. Now, Den, Zambrano was also known for his temper, right? Didn't he got into some fights in the dugout? He did, yeah. He got into a fight with Michael Barrett in the dugout, fist fight. Um, yeah, but Michael Barrett was a very 
had a well, face that was worthy of well, being yeah, punched. He and, he and uh, the catcher for the White Sox. A.J. Uh, Pruszynski. Yeah, A.J. Pruszynski got in that famous fight when the Cubs and the, and the White Sox were playing each yeah, other. Yeah, A.J. Pruszynski, another guy that had a very punchable face. <laughs> so the, the answer is Carlos Zabrano. He hit 23 long balls while Incredible. in a Cubs uniform. So that's, that's pretty good. So... Uh, out of five questions, you got eight points, which is a very, very good score. I only got three. Or no, I got, well, yeah, I got three because one was just a bonus question. So, All right. So there, there is our trivia part of this game. Now we've got a quick, we've got some nicknames. So you've got five nicknames for me. I've got five Cubs nicknames for you. All right. Do you want me to go first? Yep. Yep. Go for it. All right, so um, I've got a bunch of names. I'll pick the fun ones here. Okay. Some some of these I just picked because I like the name. Um, so I'm gonna say the nickname, right? And then yep. you're gonna okay, Doctor Death. Now we're not doing this. Isn't wrestling right? Because that was Steve Williams, I believe. <laughs> not Steve Williams, no. <laughs> who tragically died way too soon, but no, not Doctor Death. Steve Williams. Doctor. Death. That I'm going to tell you right now. I have never heard a baseball player named Doctor Death, so I am not going to get that one. Me either, which is why I chose it. Now, when I say the name of the player, you'll, you'll probably recognize the player. Do you want another clue? Sure, give me a clue. All right. So he played. I would say the majority of his career was actually in in the state of Texas. He played a number of years with the Rangers and a number of years with the Astros. I'm going to ask for one more clue. Is this is this a pitcher? It is, is a this... pitcher. It is a pitcher, yes. Oh, a pitcher that played for both the Astros and the Rangers. I, I, I don't know. Again, it's a pitcher. That's my blind spot for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, the answer is Danny Darwin. Danny Darwin? Wow. Yeah. I, I definitely know who Danny Darwin is. I never knew he was nicknamed Dr. Death. I listened. So Jim Deshays was talking about Danny Darwin and said his name, and I was and I remembered it. This was like you know a couple days ago, and so I went to Baseball Reference to just confirm that, and and of course I you know it was it was there. Huh. All right. My Danny second, Darwin. my second player. <laughs> no, now this isn't the name that he's most known for, but it's the name that I really enjoy. The Texas Con Man. Texas con man. I'm going to assume he's from Texas, though. He's from Texas. Um, Again, is this a pitcher or is it's this a, a position player? It's a pitcher. He's famous for lying, which is probably where you got the con man nickname. He's for lying. He got in trouble for something and he threw his wife under the bus. <laughs> As one does. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, Threw his wife under the bus. I'm probably going to kick myself for not knowing that, but I I don't know. Um, let's see. What other clues can I give? He pitched for um three different teams in the AL East. I, I oh he I is Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens. <laughs> I I just I once you said AL East, and then I vaguely remember something about his wife. Yeah. All right, I can't get I can't give myself in good conscience that, but the Texas con man. All right, I yeah, like yeah. It. Obviously, people know him as as the Rocket, but yeah. Okay, this is another good one. The nickname is Mercedes. Mercedes. So he must have been smooth. 
<laughs> I don't know why, but I will I give you a hint. I don't think that is why his nickname <laughs> is Mercedes. I don't remember him as being a smooth player. In fact, I'm looking at his baseball reference page. His war was negative 2.7. Now, I know I'm not going to get this. When I think of Mercedes, I instantly think of Henry Mercedes, a backup catcher for the A's in the 90s, which I know that is not a nickname. Well, if you if you say the full name Mercedes and the name that follows it, you may be able to. That's a clue that may lead you to his full name. Orlando Merced? No. <laughs> Um, but I see where you went with that one. Um, Mercedes Benz. Uh, that's there, help now me. you're onto something. Mercedes Benz. I I don't know. The answer: Todd Benzinger. Benzinger. Oh, see, we've talked about him several times recently, and we assumed his name was Zinger. Z- well, yeah, that would yeah Zinger. Interesting. A negative 2.7 career war, yet in 1989, he led the league with 628 at-bats. You know, I've, but I, I've got to guess in 89 and especially 90, he was he was at the height of his career, though. And yeah, was I mean, a really good first baseman. He had 293 on-base percentage. Wow, Ooh. that's not so good. But, he, no. but, he, had, but he, had, he had some pop, though. He was 15 to 20 at that point for home runs, wasn't he? OPS was 674. <laughs> wow. Uh, he must have had a good <laughs> Never club. Never mind. He, he did. Well, he had 17 home runs, 76 RBI. So, I mean, you know. Uh, must have been good with the glove, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just remember he was on that 90 team as the first baseman that swept the A's. That yes. Yes. All right, so that's th- I, I need to three. redeem myself here. I'm 0 for 3. Yeah, all right, here we go. Bugsy. Wow, I don't know any of these. I'm going to need some clues. All right, played for the Indians, the Giants, the Dodgers. Center fielder. I, I was thinking Kenny Lofton. I don't remember him on the Dodgers, but I remember he played on the Giants as well. Let's see who else he played. Oh, he played for the Braves as well. I thought Kenny Lofton played for the Braves as well for like a I year. I think he did. Yeah, he did. But yeah. it was not Kenny Lofton. Um, I remember it, this guy being Otis Nixon. Nope. I remember this guy being. He was a he was a good base stealer. Brett a, Butler. Yes. Ah. He's very good bunter as well, if I remember correctly. Okay, I can't give myself that. I'm still over four. Um. All right, I'm gonna go one. with I'm gonna go with another alternate nickname. Now he had All a right. primary nickname that if I said it, I mean it's like it'd be like saying the Rocket. Okay. His alternate nickname is Captain Hook. Oh, I know this one. Now here's the other thing. I you know I don't know if he played. He he probably did at some point. I I mean Captain Hook is from his man his time as a manager. Yes, and he it's, managed. I'm fairly certain it's Sparky Anderson. You got it. There's oh, his there other nickname. Go. Redemption. Yeah. Redemption. He did play. He played for the uh, for the Phillies. Played in 152 games over one season. <laughs> Wait, so he played almost the entire season, but that was the only season he played? Yeah, he had he hit 218, 282 on base, slug, slugged to 249. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All singles. Yeah, his OPS was 531. Wow, he really did hit all singles. 
No home runs. He had nine doubles, three triples, 34 RBI. 34 RBIs and 477 at-bats. Ouch. <laughs> well, he was a hell of a manager. Well, that one, yeah. That one, I yeah, Sparky, definitely a, a nickname. But yeah, I definitely knew Captain Hook. So that, that redeemed me one out of five. Yeah. All right, so I've got some Cubs here. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick through, and I'm gonna give you the five best ones. Now, this one actually, uh, the first one I'm gonna go with is his nickname in Spanish, which translates to the nickname that I know him from, El Popo. El Popo. Pel P U L P O Popo. Popo. I have no clue. Per, if my Spanish is awful, please. Excuse me, I will translate that, if that will help you, to the octopus. I don't remember a Cub player having eight arms and legs. Do you remember a Cubs player that had 12 fingers? Oh, Antonio Alfonseca. There you go. Yep. He was yeah. the opposite of Mordecai Three Finger Brown. <laughs> yes. He was bored with an extra finger on each hand, which helped give him some, some movement. Yes. Which is kind of the opposite of, do you remember Jim Wickman? Yes. He's a reliever. Yes, probably from baseball cards cards more than anything else. Yeah, so I remember him mainly for the Yankees, but part of his index finger get, got cut off. Just like from the knuckle, like halfway up the nu- top knuckle got cut off. So it was a little bit shorter, and that helped him get some, some different movement on the ball. Interesting. All right, this one is one we've talked about on our podcast before. Uh, again, he played for the Cubs, not solely for the Cubs, but Spider-Man. Spider-Man. This one, I do remember a Cubs player with the nickname Spider-Man. I'm going to need a little bit more. He was an outfielder. Also played for the Rockies. And I'm going to have to look him up here to give you some more clues. I can think of a couple, a couple Ian Stewart and DJ LeMahieu, but neither of those were outfielders and neither of those would be Spider-Man. Esque. Oh, he gosh. was nicknamed Spider Man because he was deathly afraid of spiders. <laughs> oh gosh! He also Cubs. played for. Uh, well, he came up with the Toronto Blue Jays in 1989. He played for the Giants. Was the other team the main team he played for? He bounced around quite a bit as a third out or as a fourth outfielder late in his career. Came up with Toronto, was on the Giants, the Cubs, and the Rockies. And he has been managing in the minor leagues uh, for for a couple of years. Um, Where did that go? I clicked on the wrong thing. I can tell you he is managing, I believe it is the... It's either the Isotopes or the Chihuahuas. I'm pretty sure it's the Isotopes. Yeah, I I don't know. Mr. Glenn Allen Hill. Oh, yeah. Glenn Allen Hill. Glenn Allen Hill used to hit. Glenn Allen Hill hit a home run through a window of one of the apartments across the street of Wrigley Field across Wayland Avenue. That's a blast. Now, the, the main thing I remember about him being deathly afraid of spiders is that he went on the DL one time because he was dreaming about spiders when he fell asleep on his sofa and got up while he was still asleep and thought there were spiders all over him and fell down and crashed through a glass coffee table. 
and got yep. cut up. And that is one of the all-time great stories. <laughs> All right. So the next one, you gave me Captain Hook, a manager. I'm going to give you Popeye. Don Zimmer. There you go. Another nickname. He was nicknamed the Gerbil as well, but that was out <laughs> of spite by a teammate that he did not get along with. Um, I also found it interesting the 89 Cubs that uh, we don't we don't want we don't want to talk about uh, not covering your mouth when you're talking about how to pitch Will Clark, but uh, <laughs> Don Zimmer man- managed that team to the NLDS. They were called the Boys of Zimmer, which I thought yeah. was a pretty good nickname. Yep, I remember. I f- I fondly remember that team right up until that NLCS. <laughs> All right, uh, so I'm, I've got two more for you here. How about this one? He was. More known for another team, but uh, one of the greatest names in baseball history, and his nickname was Dandy Little Glove Man. Dandy Little Glove Man. And if it helps you, think of Harry Callis saying Dandy Little Glove Man, as opposed to Harry Carey. Right, right. (sighs) Which tells you he came up with the Phillies, had a good long run with the Phillies, and then came over for the later part of his career. with. Didn't I say his name earlier? I do not believe so. Okay, because Chico Walker was a hell of a second baseman. That yes, that is not the answer. Um, played for the Phillies, and then ended up on the Cubs. Not Mickey Morandini, is it? Uh, I would probably go with your your instincts here. Did I'm I give say- that to you. Yes, it's Mickey Morandini, yes. It is Mickey Morandini. Okay, yes. yeah, yeah. I was like, I can't think of any other guys who, you know, usually that would be like a middle infielder type nickname. Yeah. Um, and I can only think of two guys that play for both in that position. So Mickey yep, Morandini. And, and Harry Callis used to, it would be like five minutes for him to say Mickey Morandini. Yes. Harry Callis was great. All right, so the last one for you. I did not know that, that he had a nickname, but Kid K. That's Carrie Wood. There you go. I, I had never heard that one. Kid K, Carrie Wood. So you got four out of five. Very nice. Wow. Now I'm going to give you one bonus one here. This is, this is Mark's blank spot. I have asked him this guy's nickname at least seven times. I have told him this guy's nickname. Lance at least Johnson. Seven times. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> one dog. The one dog. <laughs> See, I really do listen to your podcast. <laughs> he cannot remember that for the life of him. But yes, it is Lance Johnson. Oh, was I so, so excited because he played for the White Sox. And so, of course, I knew who he was and knew him really well. And then while well, we were, oh, Cubs fans were so excited when he came over to the Cubs. I, I liked Lance Johnson. I always, yeah, so I always I. Enjoyed, enjoyed him. All right, so I think we did. Uh, I think we did pretty well on these on these quizzes. That was fun. Uh, I love nickname quizzes. I really do. Yeah, <laughs> I could do those all day. But that is going to do it for the quiz portion. We do want to now, though, jump into everybody's uh, favorite portion of the show. It is time for Wax Pack Heroes. You are a returning, uh, as we said, guest of the show. You are still number two on our all-time career list here at 42 cents. You are um, about half of the leader (laughs) from 
<laughs> Diamonds and Roses still pulled. They they had a pack upper deck, and and we Ben pulled a, a Ken Griffey Jr. So that that kind that one card kind of did it all. But you've got a chance to catch up with him here or surpass him. So I've got two packs in my hand here. I have got a ninety flare or a ninety one tops. I'm going to let you choose which one you'd like to go with. Oh, uh, let's go ninety one tops. So if you are new to the show, this is where we open uh, a, a wax pack from the junk wax era. We are scoring these cards based on a Beckett baseball card monthly from May of 1992. That way these cards have a little bit of value. We do have some additional scoring rules if they are sporting a mustache, which most players are at this point. You get an extra cent. If they're a Hall of Famer, you get an extra five cents. If they're wearing real stirrups... You get an extra cent, but if they're wearing the dreaded two-in-one fake strips, you are minus one cent. So I don't believe those last two, the stirrup rule, was in effect when you were here last. So this might be a good chance to catch up. Maybe we should go back and recount those. Uh, I did that the first time when we when we added the Hall of Fame and the mustache rule, and it just took too long. So <laughs> <laughs> I will send you this gum, though, happily. Yeah, please um, do. I love you know, 30-year-old gum. I'm sure you do. Uh, on the front of this pack, though, instant win, vintage tops cards, win complete vintage sets, total prize value $1 million. Now, I think this is in response to there being a million different card manufacturers in 1991. They were starting to feel the pressure, so they had to up their game. I think you should enter, see if you win. Yeah, I've been sending these in, and, and they don't seem to send me anything. So back in 1992, a complete set was worth $13. So big money here. All right. Your first card is a Kansas City Royals. Well, this is a great card, actually. It's horizontal. I have never heard of this guy. Ray Palacios, catcher. Don't know who he is, but he is over. Oh, oh you know. Ray Pal- yeah, I know. Here's why I know Ray Palacios. I interviewed his nephew. There you go. <laughs> you interview enough of these guys, you start opening their uncle's baseball cards. Wow. Richie Palacios. That is he a catcher? Nope. He is a middle infielder. And last year he missed the entire season. He had surgery. Um, but he's back this year. I just talked to him probably a week ago. He's doing wow. great. That is awesome. Yes, that is really, really cool. I'm gonna have to let him know that. That's cool. Well, this is a great card. He is slid over second base, it looks like. He's grabbing the bag. It's horizontal. He's got his legs up in the air, and he's lost his helmet. He's wearing real stirrups, which is always a good thing, and he's got a mustache. So there's two cents. The rest of the card isn't worth anything, but that's... Maybe we should give extra cards if you've... Or extra money if you've interviewed a sibling or a, at a, least a, a dollar. Family. Yeah. I'm looking at the card now. That's great. <laughs> a dollar. That might be a bit much. <laughs> well, that's why I said a dollar. All right. We're on a, we're on a Kansas city roll here. Uh, I'm going to give you a nickname for this guy, the bull. And it's not bull Durham. The bull. Kansas city. He came up with the Mariners, but I know him mainly for the Royals. He was also on uh, two episodes of Seinfeld. Jay Buhner? No. No. Jay Buhner no, no, no. was Jay mentioned. Buhner's... Never been on it. Two episodes. Of... I can only think of Keith Hernandez, and I know it's not him. <laughs> the Bull, Danny Tartable. Oh, God. Come on. That's, yeah, of course. 
So that is uh, that card is worth two cents. Uh, he does have real stirrups on, no mustache, but that's a good card. He's uh, he's in mid swing there. Good, it's uh, a good card. I I he's got the elbow nice and tight there to the. That's a good pop. I bet he hit a home run on that swing. <laughs> now I can't mention any specifics, but I do want to say if you are a fan of Seinfeld, stay tuned for our our show in the very near future because there's some some exciting stuff happening. You know, there's the clip. It's like maybe 45 seconds that keeps going around of George giving Derek Cheater advice yep. hitting. Oh. oh, God, do I I've love got, that scene. That was uh, that was a week after the uh, Yankees won the World Series. Because <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been doing some, some digging on Seinfeld trivia. Again, just to wet the whistle, I can't mention anything yet. That's but. great. All right, next one. We've had this guy before. He was one of uh, my friends in high school, his favorite players for reasons unknown. Here he is with the Cardinals, Milt Thompson. Milt Thompson. I mentioned he went on to coach quite a bit. Uh, the card is not worth anything. He is, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's got real stirrups there. It's kind of hard to tell. No mustache, but that's one cent. Uh, and I remember my friend used to call him when he was young, called him Milk Thompson. <laughs> but uh, that's... Uh, Good card. Looks like he's getting brushed back on that. Yeah. <laughs> or somebody threw him a really nasty curveball. Yeah. And it just buckled it. Because he's a he's a right-hand hitter. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. Next, we've got a pitcher. We've talked about this guy before. I believe he is no longer with us. Pitcher for the Dodgers, Tim Belcher. He, unfortunately, was one of the guys in the boating accident with the boating Indians. Accident. Yeah. So this card, unfortunately, not worth anything. He's definitely got real stirrups. I can yep. see some space between the socks and the stirrup, which is always good. Uh, no mustache, but Tim Belcher. Oh, here's your first Hall of Famer. Very nice. Uh, Giants legend, <laughs> Gary Carter. <laughs> nice. So that's a this is a good card because it's the kid, first of all. He's got real stirrups on because he's a Hall of Famer. That's the way you do it. That card in 1992, not worth anything, though, which is <laughs> disappointing. I, but it, I have no memory of Gary Carter playing for the Giants. I do. I, I remember he was there for a season or two. This is his second year going in there. But, yeah, I mean, this is on the very tail end of his career. Yeah. But uh, that's a good-looking card. Gary Carter, one of my favorites. Uh, staying on the catcher thread. Now, here's a catcher for the Cubs. Uh, even though he looks like he's got a first baseman's glove in this pi- in this picture, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this and just see if this if because this is rare for a catcher switch hitting catcher for the Chicago Cubs. Does that ring a bell? Yes, it does. Um... Also went on to play for the A's and the Braves that I know of. Oh, man. They had some odd ones because they had Rick Wilkins, who was a left-handed catcher. That's not who that card is. That's rare as well. Um, Damon Berryhill? There you go. Very nice. Damon Berryhill, one of the rare switch-hitting. He and Mickey Tendleton at that point were the really only switch-hitting catchers. God, Mickey Tettleton had such a cool... That was probably the batting stance I most imitated as as a youngster. Do you remember uh, Do you remember his nickname? Mickey Tettleton? I yeah. don't. Fruit Loops. 
Definitely he, don't remember that, because but that's he great. Because ate Fruit Loops every single day. <laughs> oh, wow. The things you learn here yeah. are great. All right, next we've got shortstop for the Royals. I also remember him from the Reds at one point. Kurt Stillwell. Oh, yeah. He was a stalwart for the middle infield in, in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, that card is not worth anything. He's got those real stirrups going. This is good. Last week we had uh, whatever we opened, everybody was wearing two-and-ones. Here we've got some guys with some good stirrups. You'll appreciate, um, I interviewed a guy, Ernie Clement, or yeah, that's how I think, yeah, Clement. Um, he wears real stirrups, which not a lot of guys these days wear real stirrups, but he's Who he's on tell? the verge. <laughs> Who can that? tell these days? <laughs> well, he, he's got the, he wears the pants up high nice. ar- around the knees and then real stirrups. And yeah, he's... Um, I believe he's still in big league camp, but he's he's probably a 2020 uh, breakthrough guy to make his debut. Nice. Well, when he gets baseball card, we'll see those real stirrups. It gets Absolutely. a point right off the bat. Yeah. All right. Here we go with a. He's listed as an outfielder here at this point for the Dodgers. I seem. I thought he was an infielder. Remember him also from the Expos, Hubie Brooks. Good old Hubie Brooks. No value on that card, and I can't see. He's not wearing a mustache, and I can't see his stirrups. But so he came up with the Mets. He was uh, traded to the Expos. Was there for four or five years, and then the Dodgers. Now I did find some. Interestingly, there's two Hubie Brooks cards in the '91 set. Hmm. What? Because I, I googled it. Um. One with the Dodgers and one with the Mets. The one with the Mets, because you're you've got the one with the Dodgers, right? Where he's got the glasses around his Correct. neck. Yep. So the one with the Mets, he is wearing real stirrups, but I don't know if he did with the did, Dodgers. It did, now oh, I'm sure he did, but I can't see them. But yeah. uh did, this is back when Tops used to do that updated set in the middle of the year for traded guys. But uh, this is definitely in fact, yeah, I'm looking here at Beckett and on the same page, 91 score traded and 92 tops traded. They would come out, you know, a little bit after the All-Star game. There'd be new cards you'd have to go buy. Which sounds like that's definitely the Mets one. Yeah, so 1991. Yeah, it says 90 he was on the Dodgers, 91 he was on the Mets. So, But I don't see that he was traded. Well, it's funny because they've got pictures of a random card here in this guide. And for the 91 score, it's Hubie Brooks (laughs) with the Dodgers. (laughs) Yeah, he was traded. um, Yeah, traded on December 15th. Yeah, so they they had to catch up. Yeah. All right, so you've got a manager card here next. Now, I'm not sure if he's in the Hall of Fame, but Tommy Lasorda. He should be. He's in my Hall of Fame. I think he should be too, but I don't know that he is. He is in the Hall of Fame for sure. Well, he will be when he's done playing. He is in the Hall of Fame, Tommy Lasorda. Yes, he is. All right. So there is, uh, there's five cents right off the bat. I think that's all you're going to get. The card's not worth anything. Never had a mustache that I'm aware of. I'd be willing to bet he's got real stirrups on, but we can't see it in this picture. He's looking very suave with his <laughs> with coat over his shoulder. And this was like, it wasn't satin. But it was this shiny, I guess, I'm guessing it was polyester. I had one yeah. of those. I loved it. And it looks like he's actually got 
This must be in spring training. It looks like he's got a mesh hat on. I can't tell for sure. Yeah. But uh, in spring training, players used to wear mesh hats. Snapback mesh hats. <laughs> Classic. All right, next card, pitcher for the White Sox, Eric King. I remember the name. I think he's probably what we would call a common. Uh, yet the card is not worth anything. He's got those real stirrups on, so good for him. But that's going to be all that's worth. I remember the card. Certainly do not remember the player. It's a good shot of old Comiskey, I can tell. One, because he's wearing a home jersey, but also the back, the, the green wall in the background there. Yep. Next pitcher for the Mariners, Bill Swift. Oh, yeah. Remember the name. I don't remember much about him. Mark would probably have a story or two. That card is not worth anything. He almost looks like a shortstop in that picture, the way. <laughs> he does kind of. Now, I'm having a hard time telling if those are stirrups or not. I tend to believe they're not. But yeah, I don't I, I, I'm going to let you be the judge because you're looking at it there as well. I just, I can't tell. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt. We'll, we'll give Swifty the benefit of the doubt and give you a cent on that one. Next is a pitcher. We spoke of Jerry Curls early uh, earlier. This is Melito Perez. You said, excuse me, when you said Jerry Curl, I knew you were going to say Melito Perez. <laughs> we pull him quite a bit here. Uh, the card is not worth anything. And I can, he's got that mustache. I can't tell us about his stirrups though. So that is one cent. But yeah, he always had that. And, you know, Ivan de Jesus might have been on this team as well at this point. So there might have been two really good Jerry Curls in that White Sox dugout. Yeah. All right. Next one. This is, uh, he might be a, a, a Braves Hall of Famer. He's not a, a real Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. Ron Gant. He is not a Hall of Famer, no. No, he's definitely not. But um, He is a newsman, though, right now. A news, like a newsman? Like, like a, a news anchor. Anchor, really? Yeah, he sits at the desk and gives the news. Where? Down in Atlanta, I think. Really? That is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I know he did some, uh, some color commentary. Yep. I think it was with the Braves for a while, but... Uh, I remember he came to the A's late in his career, as players tend to do. <laughs> um, and then didn't he play on the Reds at some point as well? Yeah, I, I want to say after the Braves voided his contract after his accident, he went to the Reds and was okay. I mean, Ron Gant was trending to be a great player. And then he had his uh, his four-wheeler accident, and that sort of derailed his career. Yeah, so in 1990, he hit 32 bombs and hit 303 with 33 stolen bases. Yeah. The 30-30 guy. Yep. Yeah, so that uh, that is worth four cents, though. The card is worth three, and then you get uh, you get one for the... I can't tell. Does he have a mustache there? He did. He had a really thin mustache, I remember. And I, 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 go, I did Google Images, and on a bunch of his other cards, you could see... He's got like a little thin mustache. All right. I'll give it to you. You're, <laughs> you're politicking for that score. I'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, all, every other card on here, he's got a mustache. All right. We'll give it to you. So that's a five cent card. 
Uh, next card is outfielder. This guy was on the 86 Mets team, and here he is still on the Mets. Kevin McReynolds. Outfielder. Oh, yeah. Uh, that card is not worth anything. He has two and ones on, I can tell, because there's a gap between, there's a white gap between the bottom of the stirrup and his shoe. Yep. And there's no mustache, but that's going to be a, you're going to take a negative on that one. He's at Wrigley. I can tell that too. You can see the yep, brick. You can see the brick there. Uh, Kevin McReynolds came up with the Padres. I remember. I never saw him play for the Padres, but I remember he was with the Padres. Just a solid guy. Look at that. Between twenty to thirty home runs every year. Average about two seventy, two eighty. Just a, a solid, uh, solid player there. Yeah, then he was a good ball player. Now your final card here. I have never heard of this guy. Uh, unless it's his rookie card, which it is definitely not. I have never heard of this guy. Third baseman for the Dodgers, Jeff Hamilton. Yeah, they made that that really famous musical about him. Oh, is, I've been meaning to see that. Now I will definitely go. Yeah, it's about the you know the ups and downs of his career and how most people have never heard of him as a baseball player, but as a um, as, as a, a founding father of yeah. the country. Yeah. Yeah, never heard of Jeff Hamilton, the baseball player. And I don't know that I ever had any of his baseball cards because there's about 20 different Jeff Hamilton cards on my screen right now. And boy, none of them look familiar. There's also a random Benito Santiago card that just kind of popped in there as well. Well, Benny's always Benny's always around. Yeah. So I hate to break it to you. This is this is definitely a step down. I, I think we're going to stick with your initial score of 42 from your first <laughs> appearance. You totaled 26 on this one. Wow. I'm embarrassed. I really, you know, uh, I, I'm sorry that I let the fans down. I just I wasn't right today. I'll uh, I'll get with the mental skills coach <laughs> and uh, I'll bring a much better effort next week or, or next the, time. I should say hit the video room. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, there you go. We'll, we'll keep your original score there. You're still firmly entrenched in second place. All right. Well, there you go. I will. Uh, I, maybe I will. Uh, I'll keep this Ray Palacios card for you and send it to you. So if you if you do ever meet up with his, uh, his son, you can hand that to. Yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for Wax Packs Heroes. That's going to that's going to wrap up our start to wrap up our show here. We would like to first of all, as we do every uh, episode, like to thank you, our listeners. We really do appreciate you tuning in. Uh, if you would uh, be so inclined, it would be great if you rate or reviewed us wherever you're listening or better yet, just go tell a friend. We would really appreciate that. You can also follow us on social media. We are uh, pretty active on Twitter, especially, but you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. We would like to thank our guest filling in for Mark this week, Chris from the Turn a Pair Baseball Podcast. Chris, do you want to you want to tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me all over on iTunes, Apple Play, Google Play, Spotify, all those great places that you find podcasts. You can find me on Twitter. I'm pretty active there at Turnapair Chris. And you can find me on Instagram at Turnapair Baseball Podcast. Excellent. And uh, you are pretty active on there as well. I see you all over the place. We trade uh, trade Twitter messages quite a bit. So uh, a very good follow and a great podcast um, we've pointed people over there quite a bit and uh, we enjoy your show and want to thank you again for joining us. That uh, was great. I'm sure Mark feels satisfied that his position has been filled very well this week and we, we just want to thank you. 
Well, I thank you both for allowing me to come on. Um, Mark does a great job, so I don't think he's got to worry about me Wally pipping him. Um, <laughs> no, I, this is cool. I like, I, like I said last time I was on, I really enjoy listening to your podcast. You guys do a fantastic job. You're both great storytellers. A ton of research goes into it, and you put together a really good um, digestible podcast, and and I appreciate that as a listener, as a fan. And so the opportunity to be on is, is really cool. And to do some research, I had a lot of fun, but I had even more fun recording with you. So thank you so much for having me on. It was great to have you. Thank you very much. And uh, for everybody else, we will see you again next week on another edition of Two Strike News.